Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your tits. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? It's the, uh, the Keegan... Uh, Hamburg Odyssey, I forgot what we call it. I think it's the Keegan Hamburg Odyssey, isn't it? It was Das Deutsche Maus Meitian. <laughs> Maus <laughs> <Something> Electrican. <laughs> it's a look at Kevin Keegan's, uh, well, Brian Moore's 1979 documentary where he, he, he cornered Kevin Keegan like a rat or a mouse <laughs> in Hamburg. And followed him round for a bit. We don't see Brian Moore in this, do we? I haven't seen him yet or heard from him. Was he even there? Yeah. Mm, well, mysterious. Have oh, we been I've, just, I've just been on Google Translate. Uh, it's Electricia Morse. Anyway. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, you do get these things where a famous broadcasting name puts their face to it. But mm. then someone else, because he's off camera... It means that, exactly. and, and there was a clearly a huge amount of time. This is not one of those things where you get a little bit of access and there's a talking head in a studio and that's it. This is a really, the more I get into this, because I'm watching this in portions, <laughs> this is a, a really incredible piece of documentary making, considering that at the time he was the equivalent of Cristiano Ronaldo today, really. Yeah. He was the world's most yeah. famous, high profile, most corporately endorsed, most glamorous footballer. And they, uh, this team, whether Brian was with them or not, they were with him just non-stop. And some Mm. of the the conversations that he has, for instance, we'll get onto it, but like with his business Mm. manager, really candidly in front of the cameras are remarkable. When you know what footballers (laughs) are like today in terms of their understandable suspicion of the press, their hostility in some cases... It's so difficult. Even when I was younger, like I'm going back when I first started in journalism 20 years ago, I used to sometimes do things with footballers and they were staged managed so tightly, Mm. so carefully that you never felt like you could get anything out of a foot. Ex-footballers, fine. Someone currently working as a professional footballer, even 20 years ago, you get five minutes of banal kind of platitudes Mm. and that was it. This documentary is fucking incredible. kind of... Would you get like a list of do's and don'ts about what you could talk about before you did the Sometimes, interviews? yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you would, but a lot of them were very... I remember interviewing Alan Shearer and he was just extremely adept at taking whatever question you threw at him and just, you know, removing any meaning Flecting or it. energy from it. Yeah. He was deaf yeah. at it. Well, he got burned. Shearer got burned by that time we talked about Chris Sutton, his fence when Blackpool, Blackburn won the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't he? Yeah. You know, that, he, didn't he never like lived that. that down, so uh, he was always on his guard after that. Yeah, yeah. He was pretty hostile. I mean, you know, but Keegan in this, you know, they're in his home. They're out shopping with mm. him in Jean. They're at training. 
They're on my favourite bit so far on a private jet flying to France to the Patrick Football Boot Factory. Um, wow, I haven't got that far in it yet. Oh, absolutely sensational stuff. The access is remarkable and the honesty with which he speaks, the openness mm. which he speaks, considering not just the most famous footballer in the world at the time, one of the, certainly Britain's biggest celebrity names. Yeah. And he's being open and honest about the amount of money he earns. Well, Incredible. that's it. In the first, the first episode, in the first few minutes of the documentary, he says, well, I earned £22,000 in my last year at Liverpool. Over here, I'm getting £122,000 a year. Yeah. But, but he doesn't, it doesn't get, care it, who it knows gets, about it. It gets better than that. When he's, uh, he, he later says, the main interview, the long, long interview that sort of is the centrepiece of the show, mm. has been done on his sofa in his house. Keegan <laughs> Towers, a nice house, but mm. considering how Richard Holmes is, reasonably modest. Now, I've heard a lot of people do the whole, well, yeah, I do earn a lot of money now, but I'm not very money focused and we still live a life just like we used to before I was rich and famous. And you think, yeah, bullshit. And I also think, why? I think <laughs> if you're rich, fucking spend the shit out of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Frugality. <laughs> <You don't> <laughs> well, I think Danny Baker wrote in his, one of his books, yeah. you, know, you know, frugality is a conspiracy by the mean-minded middle classes to stop the rest yeah, of us from having that- fun. He's never got any money because he always just knocks it out yeah, as soon as he it earns out, it. Yeah, I love that. It's my yeah. favourite thing about Danny Baker. I mean, all his books are great, but the, there was one or two pages in, I think, the second one where he explains his attitude to money, which in a broader sense is about his attitude to life. And it's fucking, it's, you know, it's brilliant. It's, 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 it's biblical. Anyway, yeah. Keegan is doing the whole I'm just a normal bloke routine. But actually, do you know what? I buy it. In his case, mm. I buy it because you see him and Gene going around the supermarket. I mean, you know, of course, a lot of this might have been choreographed, but there's something about him. I believe it. I mean, that said, he is in the next shot on a private jet being flown down to France because he's mm. got to do a quick turnaround, go down, make an appearance, uh, you know, to yeah. these people who pay money. Anyway, he admits, he goes, I do earn £400,000 a year. I mean, how open is that for anyone in any walk of life? Just say, he goes, I don't get £400,000 directly from Hamburg, but I am guaranteed £400,000 a year via various business contracts and sponsorship deals Mm. that are organised by the club on my behalf. Right. Right. So you think that's weird. Uh, So basically they pay him 120 grand a year just for playing. But then they guarantee him portions of, like, I guess their deal yeah. with Adidas, their, I think, who is it? Is it Hitachi, who are their shirt sponsors? It's still quite rare to have shirt sponsors then, but Hamburg That's right, yeah. have a really cool, I mean, the Hamburg well, I think, shirt I think is really cool in this, I think. They sponsored Liverpool about the same time as well. That was Liverpool's first sponsor, I think, was Hitachi. Yeah, I think that maybe might that's have been the first I'm sponsor in England. thinking of it. Let me just double check. But he's, he's he's very self-effacing about the money and everything, but at the same time, he knows his worth. Yeah. And he's very assured about what he what he gets out of this and his value and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Which oh, they're sponsored by BP, British Petroleum. Um, I'm just looking up at it here, which is, it was a fucking cool kit. Really cool. Oh, also Hitachi. So he played there for two seasons, one season... It was Hitachi, and another season it was BP. 
But anyway. That's weird. The BP, British Petroleum, are sponsoring a German club. Unless that was some kind of tie-in with the thing of, we have signed an Englander. I think... also advertise their petrol. I think that they probably did... Um, I did. I think they probably did that thing of approaching sponsors to get the deal mm. across the line because they weren't yeah, yeah. a particularly rich club. They weren't one of the club Riles Giants. So mm. how did they sign him? He talks about it in a book. I can't remember what he says. But how did they pull it off? I think they probably went to their existing sponsors and said, "Listen, if we get Keegan to this club, and you, you, you know, it will be massive because he's the world's biggest star. So it'll be huge. Your brand. If you chip yeah. into his wages, we can get him." Yeah. And it'll be cheaper than you basically just paying him to make some adverts for you. And exactly, so maybe, yeah. maybe, uh, well, ad- again, it was Adidas one year and Umbro another. Umbro another British firm, of course. So obviously, there was a lot of British brands getting involved. It'd be interesting to know how the deal was done, really, because, you know, like, like you say, it, it will have been done like that. But he, he wasn't just one of the top stars there. He was head and shoulders above the rest of the squad and there was that resentment from the rest of the squad well we get into that uh, in this thing he goes the first six months he's driving along Mm. in his Mercedes and I'm trying first six months here I don't even like to think about it it makes me feel sick but people were so cold I was dealing with moving to a new country learning a new language um, learning to deal with Gene and Mai's life and Gas learn- bills, electric bills, water bills. Water bills, all of that stuff. Admin. Right, all your admin. <laughs> stamps. How do you get stamps in Germany? Me and Jean didn't have a clue. For the first six <laughs> months, we'd set, we'd have to send our letters on without stamps and not for the best. We didn't know the word for stamps, Brian. <laughs> right, uh, so he goes, he goes, ah, uh, he goes, I mean, you know, that's enough to deal with. I had to learn German football. It's very different in the Bundesliga. <laughs> and that was bad enough. And the, the lads here, they were so unfriendly. They didn't like me. Right? And it's really sad. He goes, you know, every day in training, they didn't want new players here. They were in, in training, they would come and the tackles would fly in above the knee. In training. Well, it all <laughs> came to... Knee. And then he talks about the friendly... The, no, not friendly, a European tie. I can't remember who against. Some kind of quite obscure European side. Well, it all came to an end. I was that stressed. I was desperate to get home. I thought, this isn't for me. The people are so cold, right? <laughs> and this uh, this defender's marking me. First minute, off the ball, he gives me a big elbow right in my nose. And I thought, oh, we're in for something here, right? <laughs> now, I've dealt with lads like this before on the pitch. And I can usually do with it. But I can usually deal with it because I'm in the right frame of mind. But I wasn't. I was in a stressed set frame of mind because I didn't have a single friend in the whole team. He went, he went a minute later... <laughs> I'm making a blind run off the ball, right? And he takes me out. And I said, I, that was the moment I thought to myself, and this is actually what he says, he goes, I thought to myself, you do that one more time, boy, and you're going to see what you get. Boy, he calls him. He's talking about some big, massive defender, right? But that's the thing about Keegan, he's got know. this cheap... I'll-, I'll have you know, right? I've done adverts with Henry Cooper. I've got his phone number. <laughs> I could get him over I here in 48 hours. I don't think... I think he's one of those little men who just fears no one, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And he goes, so five minutes later, I'm uh, I'm running, and I'm trying to run through onto a through ball over the top, and he just stands in my way with his chest out, and I smack straight into him, and he and I mm. bounce off his chest, and he looks down at me, and do you know what he does? He just laughs. Well, <laughs> I saw red, 
<laughs> and you think, what's he going to say? Because we live in a world now where a really bad thing, I mean, you know, is someone flicking a boot out at someone, right? Mm. Or, you know, that thing where they sort of, they don't headbutt them, but they're like, they just kind of lean their forehead Both into the other together, bloke, yeah. right? And that's considered, oh, this terrible thing. Keegan just goes, really casually goes, so I smashed his face in. I hit him once with a left and once with a right. He went, he said, it reminded me of when I was a schoolboy. He's laughing, going, when I used to do a bit of boxing. He went, well, he went down in a heap and I turned around and the ref was running over, clambering about, trying to get his card out. He couldn't get it out quick enough. Well, I'm not stupid. I knew it weren't going to be yellow. So I just walked off. He went, I walked off the pitch. He went, and I was up and I got straight in a taxi. And I went straight to the airport. I didn't wait for the other lads. I thought, I want nothing to do with this. He went, and I thought to myself, oh, bloody hell. He went, that's six months of frustration. And it all came out on that fella's face. But I don't regret it because he was a stupid man and he deserved it. (laughs) Stupid man. (laughs) But he's got previous, hasn't he? That 1974 charity shield match with Billy Brenner. Yeah. When he was trading blows with him as they both got sent off. But how did he get away with it? You know, you look at the, you know, the the other people who've really fucking lost it big style. You talk about Cantona, of course... Um, you're talking about, you know, when Kieran well, yeah, Dyer... Barty and Dyer are on the same team, didn't you, Newcastle? Yeah, Bowyer and Dyer. Scrapping. Bowyer and Sorry, Dyer. Sorry, yeah, Bowyer and Dyer. Yeah, and it's like, really, people are like, oh, my God, they're such jobs. But Keegan, somehow, despite these... That, that, an act like that... I mean, do you remember when Paul Davis smashed mm. Glenn Cockrell and broke his jaw? Remember that? Yeah. Got a nine-match yeah. ban, didn't he? Punching yeah. someone in the face is not something you see regularly on football pitches. But Keegan mm. smashed this bloke's face in. Got a red card and it was forgotten about. In fact, the next thing he did was he went to the manager of the team and he went, yeah, rather than say, I'm really sorry, boss, he just went, right, I'm leaving. I've had enough of it here. That was just all the stress coming out. Uh, No one likes me. I feel completely alone and I'm leaving the club at the end of the season. And he went, what if I... And the manager said to me, what if I were to tell you that I would make it so everyone would like you and you did feel at home? And I said, well, if you can do Try it, me. he went, if, if you can do it, do it. But you've got to the end of the season. If not, me and Gina going home. And I'll to, tell you what, to before, be fair, before I moved it. across it, yeah, before I moved across it, yeah, there was a, a young man who was making it big on the TV called Paul Daniels. <laughs> now, if Paul Daniels could make that happen, I, don't, I wouldn't believe it. If you can make it happen, I'll be stunned. But, you know, give it your best shot. <laughs> he then goes from that. He talks about how hell it is, but he goes, I must admit, when I won the European Player of the Year, I did think, yeah, I deserve this. He went, some of the football I've been playing this year is incredible. It was so good, at times, I surprised myself. He goes, and I tell you what, when you're looking at yourself and you can't believe how well you're playing, then whew, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think I blew my own mind. That's what happened. <laughs> it was psychedelic football, that one. I wasn't sure if it were real or not. <laughs> I thought I was thought I was dreaming. <laughs> thought I was back in Doncaster in my bed at my mouse. Dreaming. Well, we've got ahead of ourselves because when we were watching this chronologically, we were at the stage where uh, he was about to go to the supermarket with Jean and Laura, Laura Jane, I think it is, their daughter. <laughs> and he's talking about how they've got... Well, Oh, they learned the language well enough to communicate with the Germans and to do TV interviews. Yeah. And at first he'd get shy and embarrassed because we couldn't speak it. But I had a go, he mm. says. And it's it's the it's the old traditional uh, cliche, the lazy Englander doesn't want to learn or speak the language. Yeah. And I think 
when you listen to him in the supermarket, I think he's he's making up words there that aren't English nor German. He's just saying stuff that comes into his head, <laughs> and he's winging it, and he's getting away with it. Sprecking me Amsterdam. That's that's, that's right, the, isn't that's it, the Wit, isn't it? He says it with you know, so much he, confidence. They yeah. just, you know, they just. He, he says uses the word. He uses the word super a couple of times super, in the supermarket super. because I think he's just yeah. he's just punctuating. He's doing it for the cameras, but, uh, but he does it with such confidence and charm that the Germans yeah, just go along it. with it. That's the Keegan way. Yeah, you just give it so much out of confidence, you get away with it. It's the electricity uh, within within me. It just keeps driving yeah. me forward. I've, I, I, I don't know how I've done it, but I've made up my own language. I call it Keegish. <laughs> now, now everyone I meet, they all speak it as well. I'm thinking of setting it's up wonderful. a school. And then I can teach everyone else. And one day, I dream of a world where everyone, even the little African kiddies, will all be speaking my language. Jalapeño. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Jalapeño. But then there's a bit where, again, the t- it's sort of, money's a big thing throughout this whole documentary. And he's talking about the, the... I don't think there's any difference in the food, he says, mm. while he's looking around the supermarket and they're looking at that, that big display of, of uh, fresh meat. He says, but there's a definite difference in the price. Gene noticed straight away. He says, she'd convert everything to pounds. <laughs> and then he says... You silly then cow. Says, she, and then he says, she, at one point, she's writing a note to her mother to get her to send food over, like a food parcel. Dear <laughs> <laughs> hey, mum, things in Germany are not good, or as they would say here, nicht gut. <laughs> we can't work... Nicht and lichten. We can't work out how to buy food. We're starving. <laughs> we both lost a stone. Please, can you send over some toast? <laughs> and some cups and, and some pro- ricicles and some proper tea and some of them sachets and some whip e, I love them and so does Kevin we couldn't actually leave the house for a while because Kevin didn't know how to put petrol in the car <laughs> but then the nice people at BP they sent around some petrol in a bucket and it's alright now it sits at the side of the garage what Kev's managed to organise is that they send us a new car with a full tank every time one runs out <laughs> So a truck comes round, drops off the new car, fully filled, and takes away the old one. <laughs> and when he's, when he's running out of petrol, he just leaves it by the side of the road and walks home. It's good <laughs> exercise. But the, the, uh, he says, I had visions of my mother coming over in a plane and dropping a food parcel off, one of them food parcels on a parachute. Mrs. <laughs> 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 Sausages. Golden yeah. Wonder Crisps. <laughs> Fizzy Pop. The mother-in-law. 
the mother-in-law is Biggles yeah. flying a fucking biplane over. Jane, it's but your the- mum. Quick, come out. <laughs> I wonder what she's left for us. Oh, I'll put some of her fruit cake. Oh, it's all got smashed up on landing. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so they're at, the, they're at the meat counter getting some bones for the dogs. Yeah. yeah. I don't know whether the, the Germans just sell bones separately or what. But, well, um, for das Hunt, bitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And of course, these dogs are all English sheep dogs. Of course, they are. Yeah. Um, and he's talking about the supermarket experience. He says, "Now we've had some great laughs asking for stuff." <laughs> Jean's come on with stuff she thought was washing powder, and when she's got it on, it was porridge. <laughs> <laughs> but I made her use it. <laughs> I made her use it anyway. Waste not, want not. So we're washing our clothes in porridge. It stinks. <laughs> you, can't, you can't. You can't chuck it away. But what can you do? <laughs> Now the people at Adidas who pay me my sponsorship, they said I'm not to go around with my clothes covered in porridge. But I tell them, well, you're going to have to try and work out how to get me some washing powder then. I couldn't figure out. I couldn't work out what was porridge on the receipt and what was washing powder. I couldn't take it back. But um, And then he, he says, it's, it, you have to laugh about it, but it's not difficult to adapt. And I mean... Watching this in England in 1979 would be kind of like watching someone explore the moon, I think, <laughs> because you just didn't see anything like this kind of thing. An Englishman abroad. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Let alone an Englishman abroad in a country where they don't even speak fucking English. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So they try, they, they, they try some meat in the supermarket. They get a little taste of some meat and they end up buying it. mm and then a couple of minutes later, they're walking around the supermarket and Jean says, uh, Jean says, oh, I can still taste that stuff in my mouth. <laughs> Kev, says, Kev says, I don't like it at all. I don't know why we bought it. <laughs> he says, I don't know why you talked me into buying it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm furious about this, Jean, and it's not the first time. But then she says something. She says, thing is, you let women talk you into things. <laughs> and he does this really nervous laugh. And then uh, Jean says to the to the baby, "Your daddy's naughty." <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what the fuck that's about. I don't know what the story is behind that. It's a weird little. But, um, um, it's a yeah. I don't know. I don't kind of want to know. I don't know if there's a weird no, sort no, of role play no. thing they've got going on. Um, I think he's just having a laugh. I do think that back then, what what were we talking about in 1979? 79 was yeah. Um. Again, I mean, we talked about how amazing this German supermarket looked for its age. But oh, yeah. the, the going up to the deli counter, again, I think we talked about last time, most supermarkets here wouldn't have had deli counters, right? No. The cold cuts no. and stuff. I mean, you, you would have been lucky. arrested if you tried to ask for a sample of anything, wouldn't you, they? It, well, exactly. The, the asking for a sample thing is the amazing thing because they seem, you know, he is a very, they're both very down to earth northern working class people and yet at the same time mm. i really think that they are quite adventurous in spirit and it's quite sophisticated to go up and go give us a taste of that ham mate you know or whatever <laughs> yeah. they say in germany because uh, you know there is no way when i was a kid the idea of going out i remember because i'd go shopping with my mum but occasionally i'd go shopping with my dad and i would think my dad was mad right because do you know what he'd do sometimes what he'd get about he'd pick up a big bag of crisps when we were going around the supermarket right Mm. he'd get a big you know party bag of crisps Mm. and he'd just open them and go there you go get stuck into them and we'd eat them and I'd be like 
what the fucking hell are you doing, yeah, yeah. you mad <laughs> renegade cunt, right? That, that's what I'm doing. Carlos the Jackal. Yeah. And he'd be like, hey, don't worry about a pussy case, no problem. I keep the bucket and pay at the end, right? And I'd be like, you fucking won't, mate. They'll go mad about this. But there was something about my dad. He's got charm and authority, well, you, you know, mm. as has been documented with his series of um, court successes. And yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. It, it just, it, I'd see how he'd do it. He'd get the empty packet of crisps and he'd just put them on the belt, you know, uh, yeah. with all the other stuff. And then sometimes, you know, the, the, the cash point woman would look at it, then look up at him, and he'd just hold her gaze. <laughs> that is tummy. It'd be good. They were fucking delicious, right? <laughs> I just, it just look. It'd hold her gaze just in a neutral sort of a way, and she'd just yeah. beep it through, right? Or not yeah, in those yeah. days, ring it up. But then when I started at university, it was pro- probably the first time I'd ever done a supermarket shop on my own. To be honest, mm. right? So it's like I'm up at the supermarket and I try to pull the same stunt with a donut, with a donut, yeah. right? All right. And I'll have this fucking donut, won't I? And I remember I was with a mate and he's like, what the fuck are you Watch doing? This. What are you doing, dickhead? And I go, don't worry about it. My dad does it all the time. No problem at all, right? I'll keep the fucking packet and then I'll just pay at the end, won't I? Right? No. Because I discovered that day that I really was not half the man my dad was. Because when he mm. did it, he looked like a man of means. He looked mm. like a, a, an adult, a man who, of Assured, course... Yeah, it looked like... Yeah. Uh, uh, do I look like the sort of person who's going to try and steal a packet of crisps and get away with yeah. it? Of course I intend to pay. I yeah. was a callow, lank-haired student, right? Mm. Snot-nosed, insolent-looking. So when I get to the till with my empty polythene bag with a label on it that with all bits of sugar that once housed a donut, the woman, who's quite intimidating, has gone, what's this? And I go, it's a bag for my donut. And she goes, where's the donut? And I go, I've eaten it. And she <laughs> went, what'd you do that for? And I went, oh. I panicked and went, I don't know. And then she went... Well, that's like nicking. I went, I'm going to pay for it. And she went, I know you bloody are. And I went, sorry. (laughs) And you never, ever did it again. No, no. Now, now, if I go to the supermarket, which is rare because we get food delivered, but I mean, I don't, there's no, there's no need anymore. I know some people like to say, see stuff, but you know, you know me, I'm a very impulsive person, so it's quite dangerous for me to go shopping mm. in a supermarket. I've come back with all sorts of nonsense, right? <laughs> so, I've seen you on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know how it goes. So I, but if I do go with my kids, I will do that stunt, mm. but only to wind up my kids because they react in just the same way I did to my dad. <laughs> it freaks them out. They go, what are you doing? This is mental, <laughs> right? But the difference is between my kids and me was that when I was a kid, I only saw my dad every other weekend or whatever. Mm. And I wasn't scared of him as such, but I did. I probably put him on a pedestal because he was this remote figure who I only saw once Mm. in a while, who did seem very charismatic and, you know, uh, quite a strong personality. And so when he did shit like that, I'd be thinking in my head, you fucking mad cunt what's going this is mad we're going to prison for this right and then when he pulled it off at the cash point i'd be like fucking hell you're my hero right yeah but when i'm with my kids and i do it they literally just go 
What the hell are you doing, you stupid idiot? Dick. You idiot. What are you doing that for? And I'll be like, there's no problem. Just eat it now, pay for it later. And they go, what a stupid thing to do. Yeah, you think you're cool. That's just stupid. You're an idiot. You're going to get in trouble and then you're going to feel like a fool, aren't you? No, but in the end, I end up apologising to them. But it is fun to see them panic. But, I mean, I see that thing happen all the time now. Especially with kids, you'll see, like, uh, adults in the supermarket giving their kids sweets and things like that. Or even they'll buy a bag of hot chicken wings. Uh. And the kid will be eating chicken wings. In the, oh. And you'll see, and then you'll see discarded chicken bones oh on random God. shelves. See, this is why I don't what? go up the does supermarket. That not, does that not happen... Up the Asda, where you live? I haven't seen it. Is that just it. a Sunderland thing? I haven't seen it, but I don't go up there much, like I say. Uh, and now I'm even less likely to go if there's stuff like that going on. I mean, you know... Oh, it's wild. Hot, well, it's, it's... hot chicken counters, in my mind, are still quite a recent um, innovation in supermarkets anyway. To be fair, it's not happening much at the minute because there's no hot chicken counters open because of the, you know, the virus and all that. But uh, it's definitely happened in the past. Definitely. Anyway, Kev's but, got no um, problem with this. It's 1979 and the cunt and up to the deli counter are asking for samples yeah. of the meat like he's Jack yeah. the Biscuit. And uh, you got. A, I'm thinking, you're a fucking good man, Kevin Keegan. It's that Keegan front, isn't it? Yeah. And then he's, he's talking a little bit after that about his, his upbringing. Uh, he says, as a kiddie, I learned discipline. I learned right from wrong. Not to steal all the <laughs> basics. Uh, yeah. Which, you know... <laughs> Weird that, isn't it? Because when people say, I always learned right from wrong when I was a kid, I can't think to myself, did I learn right from wrong? I don't know what that means. I don't remember. How did you learn it? I don't remember a parent sitting down and going, right, this is, a list. is right, and the things on this side of the page are wrong. Right? <laughs> right. Remembering to clean your teeth. Wrong. Eating dog shit you found on the street. <laughs> Hitting your pet rabbit with a spade. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like I just I suppose you pick it up as you go along so I'm thinking oh maybe his parents took it more seriously but then he just admits that it was basically stuff like right Kevin come here time yeah. for a few life lessons sit on my knee now you know stealing you're not supposed to do that it's wrong <laughs> oh okay mum <laughs> breaking into the mortuary and staging a musical with all the corpses that's also wrong however fun it might seem however cool it might look to your mates you mustn't do it <laughs> Because they're covered in all sorts of germs, them corpses. However much it might feel, make you feel like Bruce Forsyth, like you're on a big TV show or something like that, <laughs> with lots of guests, like the Generation Game. It's not like that. Those people are dead, and they should be respected. You need Kevin. to respect the dead, Kevin. All right. Always respect the dead. <laughs> That's world number one. <laughs> I'm two and three. And he says, uh, he says, when I got married, I needed someone to replace that discipline. And in Gene, I found the ideal partner. I know. <laughs> so Ooh, Gene is like... Really weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really unromantic way of describing yeah. their love, yeah. It does, yeah. And he says, he says, she takes a lot of the direct pressure off me. <sighs> I don't know what that means. I don't know what direct pressure he's under. <laughs> she forms a human shield. dealing with... Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes she literally wraps her body around mine to protect me from heavy rain. <laughs> when people come to the door asking for autographs, she answers the door for me, and she's got this little this little thing, and it's got a mixture of water and acid in it, and she'll <laughs> spray it in their faces. So it's not too dangerous, but it acts as a warning, and that's the kind of direct pressure I can't handle. Other times she's happy to dress up as me in a Kevin Keegan wig. And uh, SV Hamburg <laughs> kit. 
and distract from me by running out the door, having all the paparazzi <laughs> chase her. And while they're distracted, I jump in the car and fuck off. I jump in whichever car's been left with a full tank of petrol and off I go. I go. Sometimes I don't know where I'm going. Because it's <laughs> Germany, I don't understand any I of it. I just drive and hope for the best <clears throat> that when I come home, they've all gone and Jean is still alive. <laughs> So far, it's worked. <laughs> Rule number two, always respect Jean. <laughs> so uh, I think that's that's a good place to leave it because... Uh, fucking good, this right documentary, isn't it? It's fucking brilliant, it's yeah. It's really, get really it, good. Get it watched because I think it's only on the ITV hub until the 21st of June. Yeah. And then it disappears. It so, uh, yeah, I've got to keep watching it because it's so good. I really don't want to miss a moment of it. How long yeah. is it in, in total? Uh, 47 minutes oh, I it must, I must be nearly done also big thanks to the Cunters who last week I said I'd like to see the other documentaries in this series which were Ballesteros Borg and uh, Nicky Lauder mm. and they're all in there as well so yeah. some Cunters got in touch and let yeah, us know yeah I'll watch all of those because if the access is as good as it was in this then it, it'll be fascinating even though those are sportsmen yeah. that I'm less interested in I think it'll yeah. be really good and even though we're positive that Brian Moore wasn't actually there the whole time, yeah. if at all. Dr. Death. But, uh, that's all right. Smoke and mirrors, isn't it? All right, that's it from this one. We'll be back with the next part of it next week. Thank you very much, TTF Indicates. Up yours. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.